Welcome in to Paydirt Sports. This is Will Dunn in here with Seth Coggin. Nick Trucial couldn't make it in tonight. We're going with a little dynamic duo action like back in the day. Lots of stuff to cover. Lots of stuff to cover, especially in the college football landscape. Seth, we'll kick it off. We'll just kind of recap the weekend a little bit, and then there's definitely a lot of big news to get into. But let's start it off talking about that big game, Ole Miss-Kentucky. Just what did you see? I think it's funny when... You know, we talk about in college football how crazy stuff happens all the time. But every now and then, it's kind of sweet. And I don't know if everyone thought this, but I know you, me, and Trucial definitely thought this. When a team you know stinks, keeps winning, and then finally they get exposed. And for me, that was Kentucky against Ole Miss this past yeah. weekend. Yeah, I, I got two, two of those games this weekend, definitely both kind of in the state of Mississippi for me. Um, I think – I mean, I wouldn't even say Kentucky truly got fully exposed – I don't think Will Levis is very good. Um, I think they do have a pretty decent team. Uh, Ole Miss is obviously shown to be pretty good. They really haven't played anyone super, super tough yet. So, you know, until you judge yourself against the true really – that we know several teams are, like, really good. You know, you know you got to put yourself – when you're in the SEC West, the measuring stick is Bama. So, like, you got to put yourself against them. Uh, so we haven't seen Ole Miss versus anybody like that yet. But, look, credit to them. They played pretty good, got a win. Um, you know, biggest game at Ole Miss this year probably is uh, 11 a.m. kickoff versus Kentucky, kind of a crazy uh, non-hype, like, big game. But it was a big game, uh, and they won, so credit to them. Yeah, Will Levis is just not that guy. He's just not. I don't know why he got so much hype. I don't really know where that came from. I, I've watched him enough to, like, see like oh yeah that's next level kind kind of stuff i just don't see it i just don't see it well and the uh, numbers aren't there either that's yeah. what I don't know. the numbers yeah. were not there last year for you to think this guy's gonna just come out and dominate this year he threw for 250 one time last year i think we brought that up multiple times like it just made no sense even when you look at i mean numbers don't lie you know and especially yeah. in that case they really don't yeah well there was two people we definitely saw in the preseason that in our eyes were way overhyped, and that was Levis and Rattler. Yeah, I have um, to go back on my uh, Spencer Rattler prediction. He is hot garbage this year. Yeah. Um, I think he's 115th in QBR, which is just terrible. Um, and I think part of that is the team he's on. But at the same time, a great he's quarterback. He's not elevating. Yeah, a great quarterback can elevate you. Yeah, I, I mean, we you see that all over the country – I mean, you see it with – I mean, let's go back and use the ultimate example. I mean, you saw it with Cam Newton at Auburn because once he left, they weren't any good, you know. Like, they, he didn't have a good head coach. Not that I think Shane Beamer's that great of a head coach, but you know what I'm saying. A truly great quarterback, which is what Spencer Rattler was portrayed to be anyway, should be able to elevate the rest of the team and at least yeah. get you, like, respectable. Like, they – I mean, their offense doesn't look good at all yeah. when you watch it. No, it's – He's very underwhelming. I don't <laughs> – I'm just glad to be validated in a few things. Like, sometimes I'm wrong, very wrong. You've had, some good, of, you've had some hot takes that we've had to pull back out from before the season. 
Yeah. Not See, not hot takes, just you're right on some stuff. No, it, it's kind of like if it doesn't pertain to the Razorbacks, I have a pretty good eye. I'm pretty objective. But like if Arkansas is involved at all, I'm just blinded by my Razorback glasses, which is just what being a fan is. That's why my that's why we love our own team takes, but we're also kind of hampered by them because we're never going to be objective. I'm going to see Arkansas like I pay attention way closer to Arkansas. So obviously I'm going to be jaded towards, uh, but I can spot it. I can spot it outside. And yeah, Spencer Rattler was not it. He does not elevate his team. Uh, there's a reason he left Oklahoma uh, kind of like back to the NFL elite quarterbacks, like franchise quarterbacks are not often available because good quarterbacks stay with good teams. Like they're, you're not just swapping around and, and now kind of I, I go to the transfer portal and his situation was different, but great quarterbacks, truly great quarterbacks aren't really swapping around all that much. It's happened a few times. There's been a few situations, mainly at like the twilight of o- their career. Yeah. Oklahoma. Well, I'm saying back in college, like oh, Oklahoma, yeah. like Bama and Georgia have lost a few great quarterbacks, but that's just a function of them having Think about the roster that Bama had at one point at quarterback where they truly had three starting NFL quarterbacks in one QB room. Right. Like, that's crazy. That's so almost underestimated because of their greatness. But, like, that's crazy to think you have three NFL core starting NFL quarterbacks in your QB room when most teams would be thankful to have one. Like, they have one in have one good college quarterback. Yeah, not even a (laughs) – not even, yeah, you're right. Not even a starting NFL quarterback. We're just grasping to have a good quarterback. Hmm. But anyway, that's totally beside the point. We did spot them like we saw it, and we just saw it like we watched football. It's like people that are projecting for stuff. But, yeah, but you got to actually watch the games at some point. Like Rattler is not the guy. Levis is not it. Well, and that um, makes me think of – I may have said this last week. I know I was talking to my brother about it. The thing, especially with Levis, like you just said, we saw he we, – we watched football last year. There was nothing <laughs> that jumped off the page that this guy is the next Josh Allen, and that's what you were hearing. You were like, oh, Josh Allen wasn't that great in college, but he had all these intangibles, so this is what Will Levis is going to be. I mean, we don't need to just start comparing bad college quarterbacks to Josh Allen. T- Tyler Bray was really good in college and had all the intangibles – didn't do anything in the NFL. That was you. I remember watching the combine and everyone was raving about, oh, this deep ball. And I watched him overthrow like three or four guys on the deep ball route. Like yeah. the, it doesn't always pan out just because he can throw it far doesn't mean he's going to be a good quarterback. And I think Josh Allen still had some numbers in college. It wasn't just nothing. Like I guarantee he threw for 250 more than one time, you know? And especially yeah. it's different too when you're at a school like Wyoming and a school like Kentucky where you're playing good competition every week like you need to win those big games and he levis has i mean they beat florida that's a big win for kentucky but it's just not the same yeah and they're probably not a top 10 team they probably were never were that's kind of the the fun of the first of the season when you know a team with a little expectation jumps out goes four and oh five and oh and you get in the top 10 that's how like that's literally how it works yep. you avoid those losses you know you overcame a few a few opportunities to lose but they're just not uber talented. Like that literally is, I feel like like Kentucky has some good players. They have a pretty decent scheme. They play a pretty good style of football that wins you 
you know, obviously quite a few games. Yeah, eight, but nine still games. Are, yeah. yeah, but they still are just not on that level. They're not on the truly elite level. And they're not many teams are. Like, I mean, I'm watching Arkansas fall off what I thought they might be as we like as we speak but that's that's how it goes like not many teams truly are on that like level where they go it's so hard to win on the road in the SEC like there's not many teams that consistently do it so um you know you go into a, an environment on the road and a top a truly elite team beats that Ole Miss team they're nothing special Ole Miss is nothing insanely special I mean they're kind of not hampered at quarterback but they don't have a star quarterback or you know anyway big game uh, good for Ole Miss. Uh, I'm excited we get to play him later on in the season. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. I'm glad the Vols get to play Kentucky. That's all yeah. I'll say. Yeah. Like, and you mentioned get- not a lot of elite teams in college football. And we saw, I mean, all across the country, all across the top 25. Exposed. What was it? Like the number 24 through 18 or something all lost this weekend? Yeah, yeah like nine out of the 10 teams in the top in the bottom like 15 to 24 I think yeah like nine of those teams lost and then you see a team like Georgia who I so I've always been one to hey let's hold our horses on greatest team of all time talk because people used to do it Bama all the time they did it a lot in that 2019 when was it when they lost to Clemson maybe 2018 uh, yeah they were halt they were definitely halted like hailed as the best team of all time that that uh, that run yeah and that being said after watching that first game of Georgia just obliterate Oregon and then seeing them kind of they, – they slipped up a little against Kent State but still won by multiple scores. I was ready to be like, hey, this might be the greatest team of all time if they just run through the SEC because it looks like they might be able to. But then we see this past weekend going to Columbia, Missouri, who people are thinking is the worst team in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, Missouri did not have much life um, really before Saturday. And somehow, like, it's kind of the tough thing, tough scene for Drinkwitz. Like, needed something really signature, like, needed a huge win. Yeah, yeah. You beat number one Georgia. Yeah, your job is you're good, at least for this year. Like, you're showing we beat Georgia. But instead, it's just another L to hang, you know. At the end of the day, it's another disappointing loss. And you even gave the fans hope by competing for so long. Now, Georgia made their fair share of mistakes, um, but they played well. You know, Missouri played well to put themselves in a position. Mm-hmm. Now, they couldn't finish, and they really never looked like they were going to finish, if that makes sense. Like, it was t- kind of a close game, but I never really was like, Missouri definitely has got this game. Like, it always felt like, okay, Georgia just needs a few scores. Like Missouri's kind of eking out some points here and there, but like when it really needs to get shut down, Georgia's probably going to shut them down. Um, and they did that, and they won a road game in the SEC. So you know, not pretty, ugly, and it is a little concerning for Georgia. But it's maybe a little, you know, a little breath of fresh air for the rest of the SEC to say, you know what, maybe this season's not a total loss. Like you know, maybe like maybe it's I mean just you're not looking a at a team like Tennessee. conclusion. Yeah, you're looking at Tennessee now, and it's like, okay, Tennessee can win that game if Missouri can. Missouri, yeah. Georgia didn't get in the end zone till the fourth quarter. I mean, that's insane, and that's what you're worried about as a Tennessee fan is your defense. So you're thinking, okay, if Missouri can do it, and I don't even, I can't even compare those two defenses because I haven't watched enough Missouri football to know how their defense is. 
but still you're thinking it's not great. It's it's not great. Yeah. That's, that's what I would have to assume. And I'm thinking if you're Tennessee, you're, you're hoping anyway, you're scoring 30 plus points in that game. So it's like, okay, we really got a shot now. If a team like Missouri can keep them out of the end zone, almost an entire game. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't really bet against Georgia. Like they still do. Like at the end of the day, I looked out there and they did have better players. Like, their tight yeah. ends are insane. It's it's unfair. It's it's not unfair. They recruited just like everyone else, but seems not fair where they're getting these players. Like, where are all these players? I want some. I want six, seven tight ends on my team that are like athletic I, that, that are can... that'll jump over dudes. Like, I want. Where are these? Where are these guys? They're literally running backs in just bigger bodies. That's how they move. It's ridiculous. Uh, it is ridiculous to watch when, but you know, hey, they looked a little gettable. We always predicted the natty hangover, and maybe that could set in soon. I feel like it, the last two games aren't necessarily pretty. Luckily, they're against nope. inferior opponents, and that's why scheduling kind of is tough sometimes and does matter a lot. Like Georgia kind of got lucky, um, not lucky, but. That's part of the game, but like they didn't play well these last two games. Um, but fortunately for them, there were opponents that they could just maul and beat. Like they were opponents that they pretty much could just, you know, at the end of the day, all of our players are better than their players. Yeah. So it kind of it's tough, you know, when you're when your bad games line up with some of your better opponents. Because see, when you are the superior opponent, Georgia. For the other team to be even in the game, you have to make mistakes. Like, you have to play bad. If you are already kind of the team that, you know, is inferior, then, like, for you, if you play poorly, it's probably caused by the other team. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it, things didn't go our way today because the other team was better. Like, so Georgia having some close calls, some like closer games against against seriously inferior opponents means they are playing down. Like we, Georgia is what they are. They're defending national champs. You know, they were the number one team in the country, almost undisputed. Like people pretty much, like you said, we're already kind of talking like, man, this team is maybe one of the more dominant of all time. So anyway, but I think kind of down South again, we're everything I said about Texas A&M, like was correct. Unfortunately, the Razorbacks didn't expose it, but I tell you what, Mississippi State did this yeah. weekend in Starkville. Um, 42 to 24. You just took you pay Jim, you pay Jimbo how much to lose by how much in and you Starkville? Have, and we've said it, you have the talent. Like you have all these guys on defense, these athletes, and it's like I get it, Leach's offense is tough to you know, draw up against or whatever. He didn't but... put up 42 against LSU. Mm-hmm. They put up 42 against some other teams they played. Like, you got exposed, and your offense can't even keep up at all. I mean, like you have if to be – scores more than 20 points, yeah, you you're have done. To... What are you thinking if you're an A&M fan, knowing that, you know, we talked about, like, Scott Frost, for example, when he got fired, they said, screw it, we'll pay the extra seven and a half mil – and go ahead and get him out of here and start looking for a coach and try to see if we can salvage this season somewhat. You're talking about, I think it's a couple years till that buyout even goes down to fifty million. No, 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 no. His contract is fully guaranteed through twenty thirty one. 
for nine more seasons, he's guaranteed at nine and a half mil. It's all fully guaranteed. Dude, I mean over 80 million. He's owed almost 85 million dollars. And, and he would have to pay it. And that's money. We always talk about money like doesn't really exist in the world of college football. I feel like that's money that exists. That's that just, money exists. You can't just throw that is a just... dark, that is a black eye on the program, too. It's kind of a flex. Like you'd almost have to own it. Like I said about them paying players, like, okay. You want to pay, you want to pay all this big money? We'll own it. And what a waste of all that money they paid for the recruiting class because you know those guys are gone. Oh, I cashed a thirty mil check for my one year of redshirting at A and M. Yeah, I'm dipping and going to play somewhere that's cool and fun and not Texas A and M. No offense, Aggies. You got to save yourself from Jimbo. Like at this point, you know the well, ship has turned. Like yeah, you I mean, know the we- you know the tide has turned. And you, th- you throw in all this money, and it really is like that because you're losing. Okay, I've got my money. I'll just go somewhere else. I don't want to lose. Yeah. And I'm a five-star. I'll go to Georgia. I'll go to Bama. I'll go to Ohio <laughs> State, you know. Yeah. it's it's There is a tentative or a tumultuous point, a definitive point, I feel like sometimes where you can definitively say, like, this coaching tenure isn't going the wrong way. Like, and it can flip. Sometimes it can flip very fast. It can flip very fast, but you kind of know. And and oftentimes, you know, and it's exposed. You are kind of blind to the cracks beforehand. But then when once a little, it's kind of like an earthquake. It's kind of like the foundation. You know, you're building your program up. And if the foundation's not solid, Jimbo's foundation's a little cracked. It's got some, uh, it's definitely not uh, not up to code, I don't think. It was built on just some money and some grease. Some I think he's you know, it's his foundation is built on him just slinking out of town in Tallahassee. At the perfect you know. time, it looked like. Yeah, when his program was going downhill. That's what I'm saying. He already lost his edge before he even got to AM. AM's program is strong. Like you could put in, I, I really think just about anybody you put in there right now is gonna do pretty good. Like they're gonna go they're they're floor right now is about seven and five like because they're a pretty good program they get good players they they pay a lot of money to be a good program and they're just still not elite like they they have the they have everything that would symbolize an elite program but none of the on-field success they they can't win and Jimbo's archaic offense I don't know maybe he maybe he retains control by just giving up control That'd be the only thing I could say is if I was a fan that I could even be okay with them keeping him next year is he says, I'm backing off. I'm not calling offense. Like I'm bringing in a guy to totally run my offense, but he's not going to do that. He like, you got to find the best quarterback you can because you can't pay, you can't pay a guy $10 million to be an offensive guru. And then him just give up the like reins of the program to a different offensive guy. Like that's not Jimbo. Well, and that's what's going to I love what you said when you, you say you said he was he lost his edge at Florida State. And what is the worst thing you can do to a guy who looks like he's going downhill and loses edge? Give him guaranteed money, not just guaranteed money. Give him 90 million dollars or whatever it is. He doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. Well, has- I think it's even funny. They re upped like two like a year and a half ago. They re upped. 
And it was like, we already gave you a $10 million to guarantee. You know what? You're two years into it. You had one pretty good year. Yep. Ten more. Like, bring it on. Yeah. It's well, it's insane. I think they're in for a rougher season. Like, I'm just, I think this is just a start. Like, they're, they play Bama on the road next week. Do you think that's going to be pretty? How many losses do they have now? Two. And, I mean, we are, we are just a hair away from them having a third loss. I mean, they, they could have easily lost that game to Arkansas. No, they didn't. They won. But I'm just saying, if they're two and three right now and, and about to go to Bama, it's full-on, like, meltdown mode. That, that win mm-hmm. may just saved them just a little face for enough time, but it's ugly. It's, it's real bad. Um, and I think they're going to get <laughs> – no one really – I don't feel like a ton of uh, – I think I was at a game, so I never have quite as much um, – you know, you can't pay quite as close attention when you're at a actual game to all the other games. But I don't feel like a ton of the nation really saw them get exposed this week. You know, like it was just kind of like – oh, hit no, no offense, but like no one's – not a ton of people are typically to Field, Mississippi, just in all honesty. Yeah. It's not – well, it's what time was like their game? Endless. I think it was at – I want to say it was at 2.30 as well. That's it. Yeah, that yeah you're not slot. You're not competing with the Arkansas-Bama game or probably a lot of other games that are going on. Yeah. But uh, but this week at Bama after – oh, oh, this is going to be a baptism. Oh, after he talked all that trash, he talked all – now, like he's got to. He's be like, dang, I po- I poked the bear and I did not have the team to back me up. No, like I did not. People are already have the team. tweeting that video like it's nobody's business too. Yeah. Oh, he's oh, it's gonna be a. It is going to be a rapture in Bryant Denny. It might be one of those fifty-two to nothing type games where it's like, like they could. I could easily see them shutting out Texas A&M's offense. Oh yeah, oh. for sure. Like. Oh, oh, and it could get ugly. Oh, oh boy. I hope Bryce Young's all right. Saban's going to run up the score, dude, after all that crap. I mean, yeah. I don't even know if Bryce Young's playing. I don't know. I don't even know if it matters. No, yeah, I don't think it matters. Wow. Well, I I would bet. I don't know. What's the spread on that game? Like 20? I don't even know. I haven't looked at it. Mm. I bet it's like 20. Just crazy. It's not that crazy, but I bet Bama. I don't care yeah. what it is. I bet Bama. They may have not even have a real line for it right now because it, uh, they don't know if Bryce Young's playing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, let, let's shift over a little bit. We don't talk a lot of Big Twelve on here, but there's a little. There's a few sleeper teams in the Big Twelve and a couple of disappointments. You know, especially after going to that Nebraska Oklahoma game, I was like, you know what, top ten team. First game after firing a coach, it's bad, which I still think you didn't have a chance in that game anyway. And I think it was, I mean, after all the turmoil, no excuses, but it makes sense. They got crushed. But, man, Oklahoma not looking good. Losing to Kansas State last week. Adrian Martinez looks like a whole new guy. Good for him. Honestly, happy for him. But then you have Oklahoma just get trounced by TCU this week. I mean, Max Dugan getting into Dark Horse Heisman conversations. I mean, he looks good. And, I mean, they scored 55 points. Sonny Dykes looking really good. TCU's undefeated. They made Oklahoma look like 
Not a good they team. Punked, they punked Oklahoma. And honestly, well, I hate to pull the tape again, but I was not that high on Brent Venables. I do not think he – like I and who am I to say? Like this would be the moment where he would prove me wrong to be like where he could actually, you know, pull it in, circle the wagons, and kind of be, show himself to be a good coach. But I'm just saying the early signs don't point too good. Oklahoma doesn't lose by 30 points to TCU. Like that just doesn't really happen as a program. Um, So maybe a sign that like, I don't know, Venables might not be that guy. Well, and you haven't haven't seen it from Oklahoma either because they had a coaching change. They went to Lincoln Riley and he just kept the train rolling. (laughs) Oklahoma hasn't really had a down year. And by down, I mean like eight wins, you know, like they're 10, 11, 12 win team pretty much year in, year out for the last, I want to say 20 years. So yeah, somewhere like nine wins or above probably about just every year, the last 20 years. Yeah. And so like, what do you, this is foreign to you and you may have forgotten if you're an Oklahoma fan, but if, if the train gets off the tracks a little bit, okay, now, now what's the deal? Are you, are you kind of oh. going to have to rebuild after this year? They, are you going to get upcoming, the that you their want? Their upcoming like, schedule is tough. Like, yeah, you say go off the rails like it could go off the rails where all of a sudden they're like, we've lost six in a row. Like, where did that go? Like, what happened? And because yeah, so I mean, it's... you play you play Texas this week and I'm assuming I don't I don't know the extent of Gabriel's injury. I think he's out. Yeah. Uh, Texas favored. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't really matter in that rivalry, but, you know. And that's the other thing. You have, a, you have a big rivalry game coming up. Very losable. You're, oh, you're what three and three at that point. Yeah, and then you That's got not a good Baylor. Place to be. You got Baylor. I think you got like Iowa State in there. You got Oklahoma good. State at the end. They're gonna. I mean, Oklahoma State. If you play Kansas State in there too, no, okay, I already played. They just lost. There it is. Yeah. No. Um, they got Kansas in there. Like that's no dude. Yeah, Kansas will work them right now. Kansas has a good offense. Like Kansas plays a good brand of football right now. Um, That's like I would put two definite losses in Baylor and Oklahoma State, and then two more, like uh, somewhat likely to probable losses. You're talking about four more, five and seven season potentially. First year under Venables, you're not happy because they they're they're another team. They have talent. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's not like there's there's two different types of coaching changes there's one where like you came in because the coach got fired because his team was terrible so you're coming in too but there's another one where it's like our coach was really successful so he left and now like here are here's the program where it was now you know it's all it's it's even almost understood you might have to take a step back sometimes in some cases but it's still like yeah you're still Oklahoma like Losing seasons don't happen often. Yeah, and I'm not saying don't. it will, but it, it's looking like it. They're staring it right in the face. And they, because they just got walloped by TCU, like, like worked by TCU. There's, there's a lot of film just, of that TCU offense for other coaches to look at to see what, where the holes in the Oklahoma defense are. Yeah. So, oh, not good for Oklahoma. Um, Kansas is a serious contender in the Big 12 this year. Yeah, quarterback's good. Lance Leopold looking good. And you're not uh, why like, not Kansas Come and on. Oklahoma and Texas aren't the teams. I mean, Texas obviously hasn't been. They're just kind of the big name to throw out there. 
Yeah. But if Oklahoma's not Oklahoma, then it's well, wide open. We could give some credit to TCU too. I mean, mm-hmm. TCU might be more legit than I oh, no. hadn't even yeah. thought about them this year, to be quite honest. Like I I maybe seen a few scores, but I don't even I I had forgotten Sonny Dykes was the coach. Yeah. Um, now I did know no, I did know that because I watched a little bit of TCU SMU because he had left SMU. Um, but anyway, um, shout out to them. That's a I mean yeah, game day's going there. That's a big, that's a big fun matchup uh, for Kansas, Kansas and uh, and TCU. There should be fun this weekend. Check that out. Um, see, the Big Twelve is up in the air. I mean, up in the air. It's just been Oklahoma's to lose every year. I feel like now would be a good year for Oklahoma State to win one. Maybe see Gundy go in the playoff. That'd be nice. I wouldn't yeah. hate that. Would hate that. I they think were so big... close last year. Yeah, they were. I do kind of hate that for him. That was crazy. Yeah. Talk about um, heartbreak. That one would have hurt. I, I would say, honestly, I think the Big 12s, I would put them as the second best conference right now. I think they're deeper than the Big 10. You think so? I think just you throw out. Uh, Big, t- Big 10's got, I think Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State are pretty good. I, I mean, I would put them up right I probably put them above almost anybody in the Big Twelve. Maybe I, I wouldn't know. for Penn State, and then I, even yeah, and then not. I would say Michigan's iffy still. That's true. That's true. That's fair. Michigan has not really played. They haven't um, dominated the last couple of games. I mean, they dominated Iowa, and Iowa played their brand of football, so it was like an ugly game. But last week they didn't crush Maryland. You know. Yeah. Like, I think Oklahoma State and Michigan would be a great game. Yeah. I do think Ohio State's above anyone in that conference. But, like, Big Ten West is garbage. Like, no yeah. no one's good in the Big Ten West, seriously. Yeah, that we is. Thought, we thought – I mean, Minnesota and Purdue are, like, decent teams. Hey, if Nebraska beats Purdue, they legitimately are staring a potential Big Ten West title in there. All right, let's, yeah. seriously. No, I'm and I'll well let's let's go into we'll go into our team's games a little bit and then talk about uh some coaching situations. Yeah, no, Nebraska, man, first place in the Big Ten West right now. <laughs> as crazy Can't as argue that with sounds. that. Five weeks into the year, you would have take hey, just blindly, blindly if you said, All right, five weeks into the year, first in the Big Ten West. Yeah, because I would have assumed they'd be two and oh. But yeah, so no one in the Big Ten West. Everyone's one and one except for Wisconsin, who is zero and two. Nebraska, Mickey Mickey Joseph picks up his first win against Indiana, and uh, in a game you really needed to win because if you lose to Indiana, you're not feeling good about Rutgers, Illinois. You know, not saying that because I think Indiana actually beat Illinois, but still, you know, it's one of those you lose. It's like okay, maybe we're re- talk about going off the tracks. We're really staring like a one win season in the face, maybe. But no, I mean the boys played and it was awesome. There, there was a lot of mistakes, ton of penalties. Honestly, too many. Like I think the refs got a little flag happy, but there were a bunch of mistakes made by both teams. But it was awesome to see. Nebraska fans are not used to seeing Nebraska finding a way to win. That hasn't happened in a really long time, especially in a game where you didn't. I mean, you played well, but like I said, there were a ton of mistakes made. That's. You know, a year, two, three years ago, you make a couple mistakes, and that's like it. You know, that ruined the game for you. You made them at the worst times. The fourth quarter, I think the defense allowed like 14 yards. Yeah. 
Nice. I mean, absolute domination in the second half. Uh, Casey Thompson had some really big throws. Just plays were made. I mean, and Mickey Joseph seems to have like a an energy in this team. Like he definitely re-energized the team and they just look a lot better for it. And now I'm excited, you know, because you got Rutgers and I think Illinois after that two games that, hey, if you can win those, we'll see. But like, I mean, like we saw Illinois just beat the crap out of Wisconsin, which we'll talk about in a second. But Seth, I'll pass it over to you real quick and let you talk about the Hogs. Yeah, I mean, losing a band is, is what it is at this point. I think Vol fans can really relate to that as well. I don't think the Vols have gotten one over since Saban was the coach either, to be honest. Um, so just a long period, like two-thirds, and most of my cognizant life have just been haunted by Nick Saban on the Alabama side. That even because I never want to lose. I hate losing is painful and it sucks, but, you know, did everything you couldn't do to start the game. You know, and get down 28 0. To get down, like, you're taking yourself out of the ball game against Bama. And they almost, that's the crazier part. They almost came back. There was a minute in that game I truly believed, and I wasn't crazy. I was one of 75,000 people that believed we were about to win that game. Like, it flipped. It totally flipped the script. Like, so as bad as the game started, the middle, like last two minutes of the first half and their whole third quarter were magical. We're like perfect. So down 28 uh, early on in the game. And that's like insurmountable against Bama, right? Like no way they allow a comeback like that. Well, you score one, be- one before half. Um, you score first in the second half. And then you go ahead and get an onside kick. You get an onside kick. Um you know, perfectly timed and perfectly executed. Uh, You know, it's not late enough in the game where it's expected, um, but it's also still needed and kind of like, you know, makes sense to run one. Um, Anyway, you'll get a couple points off that. And then, then you actually start to see for what I, what I have failed to see really against the Razorbacks versus Bama in a long time is Alabama got rattled. Like there was a moment there where it truly looked like Alabama was rattled. Um, and that's no kind of moral victory, but it's just a legitimate thing. Like the, on fourth down, uh, they had the worst snap I've seen. Like it was, a, it was a play that Bama doesn't make. It's a play that Bama forces other teams to make all the time. We're just a bad snap on a punt and we get the ball and we score to go down by five. So it got to 23 to 28, uh, entering the fourth quarter, Alabama had one yard of offense in the third quarter. Bryce young was out. Like, their backup quarterback's in. Um, and, like, you hate to have a chance to win a game because a quarterback gets hurt or something like that, but that was the reality of the game. Like, that does happen all the time. Quarterbacks get hurt. Yeah, that's part of the part game. Of football. Um, so, anyway, so going into the fourth quarter, every fiber of my being thought we were about to win the game. And not only win the game, come back from 28-0. Like, the most epic comeback. That, like, it would have been the most epic victory of my life by, like, crazy. And everyone thought so. Like the whole stadium was just turnt and ripe for it. And then came third and 15, and the rest was just downhill. It was third and 15. So right after we scored a touchdown, Bama gets the ball, third and 15. Uh, stop them on the first two plays. They get a penalty on third down. Third and 15, bro. 
we're about to get the ball back and go up and go score and go ahead in the game. And then the backup QB lights us up for like a 77 yard run. And it was just all, all Bama after that. They had three runs of 70 plus yards in the fourth quarter alone. Like the dam just broke on our defense and we were sent, we were, we were sending everybody down to the box. So, you know, they either, I think I'd like to track their plays in the fourth quarter, but it was like they either got zero yards or they got 77 yards. Like it was, there was no in between. Um, and yeah, so just kind of watch them slowly, except extremely fast, run away with it uh, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, it is what it is for a moment. It was awesome. Um, but it's just another loss, just another loss. And that's two straight. So you're kind of, you're staring, you know, it's hard to say things would go off the tracks just because like those are two of our more difficult games. Um, yeah. But just, you know, a short two weeks ago, we're top 10 and we're staring two huge opportunities right in the face and camo would come away with no wins. And now you go on the road to Mississippi state and then you go on the road to BYU. So you better buckle up quick or it could get pretty ugly. Um, KJ's hurt. It's, unknown if he is going to play this weekend so i mean i'll be honest hogs are riding high but hogs are down a little bad right now i personally am fine i mean you know i've been through hell (laughs) i'll be honest like (laughs) i'm all right um i still i still believe in us i still think we got a pretty good team our defense is lacking um but you know i think the pull together salvage a pretty good season most of the games on from here on out are winnable not saying they will win them all, but they are winnable. Um, so anyway, Bama's good. They are legit. They are Bama. We scored more touchdowns on Bama than they had allowed all season. So, you know, there are some a little positives that you can take from it, but still didn't play good enough to beat the best team in the country or one of the you know, we're not on their level. They're play they're better than us. Dude, and that's what I mean, you talk about these games you have coming up. That's what makes college football so great. Um I mean, having these games that really separate good teams from just okay teams, yeah, it can it can turn quickly. You could easily be, you know, say, what are you, four and two right now? You could easily be five and one if, you know, the doink doesn't yep. happen. You're still feeling pretty good. Yeah. Going into Mississippi State, BYU. And e- even so, you're still worried, you know, those are potential losses. But it's like, okay, you did lose that A&M game. You're four and two. You could lose these next two games before and four. Like, there, it's whatever happens is just there's three or four different scenarios where the season looks completely different. Yeah. Depending on what happens. Yeah. So, good thing is we get to control a little bit. Tough thing is it is on the road against good teams, but we're still a good team. Like, I, I really, I wouldn't discard Arkansas as a bad team because we lost to Bama. Like, I wouldn't say they're a great team. They're not an elite team, but they're still not far off. Like they did, you know, they didn't just get totally steamrolled versus Bama. It was nice to see some fight. Like, you know, we got down 28. I was like, look, we're not this bad. Like I know they're up 28 right now, but I know I've seen us lose and just get walloped by Bama before, but we're out there at a higher level. Like we still, and it was nice to actually show that, you know, we had a hundred yard rusher, not many people rush for a hundred yards against Bama, uh, like singular, like running, but one running mm-hmm. back. Right. Um, so like there's some good, well, you showed you can play with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no reason to be down the rest of the season. Cause do y'all, do y'all play Georgia? Mm-mm. 
I mean, every other game is winnable. That's, yeah, that's, that's the literally the thing is every other game. And it kind of sucks because Mississippi State is probably one of the better ones left. It kind of sucks that they, they're on the road right after this. Like, it'd be nice to maybe have a bye week, just kind of regroup, but you can't. And that's the SEC West, and that's kind of the beauty of it, and that's the that's what you got to embrace. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you will get walloped. And I think, like, a guy like Brian Harson seeing that, dude, like, if you do not come, like, you have no time to reset if you can't do it immediately because that next opponent's coming in and they will beat you. Like if you're not, if you're not on your a game any week, Bama and Georgia are the only teams that can maybe win with their B games. Honestly. Yeah. Most like Georgia won with a D game the other day versus Missouri, like literally bad, but it still passed. They still won because they are Georgia. Arkansas can't bring a C game or a D game and try to win the sec. Like you gotta be bringing the A game, um, and you just gotta whoever it is. You got another test. Vol's got a big test coming up. Hogs got a big test. Road tests, um, but against good teams, that's what separates you. So that's what you know. Still have a chance to finish pretty high in the West. Like you know, I, I think everyone's gonna have a couple losses besides probably Bama. So um, you know, we'll get our shots. We'll get our chances to play some other teams too. Um, I'd like to play Ole Miss. I think I think we'll have pretty good success versus them. I think we're set up to match up pretty well um, versus them. I mean, if KJ if KJ goes, I still like our chances versus Mississippi State. Um, I think yeah. our offense should put up some good numbers. They, they will roast us. Like Will Rogers is definitely about to toast us, but who knows? You know, maybe we'll knock him out too. You never know. <laughs> well, not, not saying we the, should. I'm just saying. You know, yeah. You mentioned Brian Harson a second ago, and we don't have to go into this whole game, but I mean Auburn up seventeen to nothing against LSU. You're feeling good. Another guy that you know he needs something to save his job, and just yeah. I mean that well, could have been the nail in the coffin for him. I mean I thought I, we we predicted that was the only one we predicted Auburn's going down in flames this year, uh, and, and it, t- it's closer to looking like that than it, they escaped that Missouri game, which easily could have yeah. been a loss. Yeah, like it. I mean, it should. It really should have been a loss. Um, now in this game, they almost should have won, but they lost. Like that's how that's how football is sometimes. Like uh, it's just crazy. But yeah. Well, and again, we don't have to go too much into this. But for me, I'm thinking Auburn, new coaches, whatnot. Does is Hugh Freeze and Auburn not the most obvious match? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. Just off, off the top of my head, seems like a pretty good fit, but I don't know. Yeah, like I don't I know. Think, what, I don't I, know why. I don't talk to Hugh. You know. Yeah, he was he was not my guy. I would have to assume he would like to be back in the SEC, coaching high level football. I mean, maybe he loves Liberty. I'm sure he enjoys it. But a guy like that who coached at a pretty high level in the SEC for a good bit, I have to imagine, and he just seems like he would fit at Auburn. That just I can see him in that Navy Under Armour polo. Yeah, I think he should bring the sweater vest if he goes to Auburn. Oh, maybe. I didn't really like Gus Malzahn, well, because of some things unspoken that he did to the Arkansas football franchise. Um, But I liked the sweater vest look. I think the Auburn coach should wear a sweater vest. It's kind of like endearing to the fan base, I feel like, for some reason. I don't hate that. I like it. I think navy blue and orange. It's kind of like bears. It makes me think of like I think of a bears coach. Chicago Bears coach should always be wearing a sweater vest, right? 
because like I feel like that's like iconic dick to look maybe uh, I just associate it with the Chicago Bears and I think the colors got my brain all messed up to think that it looks good at Auburn yeah and somehow they work yeah somehow it does maybe blue and orange hmm, great sweater combo yep but not a great football team this year um let's talk a little bit before we get into some Titans talk I mean big big firing that I didn't see coming in Wisconsin with Paul Christ and people were already comparing it to, he had a pretty identical record to Bo Pelini when Nebraska fired him. However, you know, Chris, you're talking about a guy who, I mean, won an orange bowl one, not, I mean, I think he had a seven win season mixed in there somewhere, but forget nine and 10 win seasons. The guy had a 13 win season one year. Like, that's never safe man yeah that's dangerous and you're talking about you know people love to say i mean look at what happened in nebraska after they fired a guy like bo i mean you just went down in flames uh for years and years and you're still trying to figure it out but i mean a guy like chris and i personally i thought wisconsin at a a program like wisconsin was just you know you're kind of content with nine ten win seasons yeah and i know he's doing bad this year but it's like I mean, well, what succeeded. they finished kind of last year. I mean, what did truly, they finish? Yeah, I truly don't know. Like, I, I don't even. I know. assume they finished nine and three because that's like what I assume they finish every year. I mean, yeah, let me. It's not ten and two. Wisconsin twenty twenty one football. I don't know. They won the Vegas uh, Bowl against Arizona State. It looks like. Well, both those coaches got fired, so. They went nine and four last year. There you go. That's what I'm saying. Um, Six and three in the Big Ten, you know. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I think there may have been a little more goings on in the program than we're privy to at this point. Uh, It sounds like things weren't as rosy, uh, maybe, as you might think. Um, But he definitely had probably a success. I – I wouldn't have thought about firing him. I just I'm – I'm not that close to Wisconsin football. Like, I didn't know that this was upcoming. Um, but they have – I mean, you can't – they've well, had some my- really bad losses, like really bad signs of worse things yeah. to come too. Like, if if there were already rocky relationship at some level – and then, right. See, Barry Alvarez is probably super hard to deal with, honestly. Oh, definitely. It would be so annoying to be a coach under Barry Alvarez – yeah, so, he's a micromanager for sure yeah. of the football team. That's why, dude, Gary Anderson got out of there. Remember when he left? It was like yeah. he was doing the same thing. He was doing fine, and he left to go to Oregon State, and everyone's thinking, what is this guy doing? Yeah. Yeah, I think – and, I mean, obviously, Chris is the one that's gone and got fired, but I feel like if the relation – like, that's such a critical relationship for to have, like, head coach and athletic department, to have, like, the support and, you know, all that kind of stuff and be, like, on the same page and if that relationship's rocky and then you know you show a few cracks you're not willing to do anything to like i know wisconsin's known for like the same brand of football like over and over they've played the same thing every year forever but man maybe it's time to innovate a little bit like do a little something else and if you're not i don't know maybe he wanted to do something else and barry alvarez is kind of thumb on it on the program like he you know the common denominator in the every single season of wisconsin football the last 30 years is barry alvarez 
So like, yeah, maybe he's the one that makes it be a certain way. Well, and that's why I didn't understand. I saw some Wisconsin fans who were defending the fire saying it was, it needed to happen. And they were saying, you know, Chris is stuck in his archaic ways of football. Like he's not adapting. And I'm thinking to myself, looking at the past three coaches that they've had, uh, I'm thinking Barry Alvarez was just hiring guys that would run this brand of football because that's what he wants. So I don't know. I'll be interested to see who they hire. I guess Jim Leonard is the interim right now, and it's not like the defense has been doing awesome. His name was floated around for the Nebraska job a little bit until you saw how his defense is not performing this year. Is is he going to take over? Because I don't think he's going to bring some brand new offense into into Wisconsin football. Like, who are you going to go out and get unless you're truly going to make a splash higher? I've heard I've heard Aranda a little bit because he has a connection there. Actually, he was the DC for a while. But again, like, what are what are you looking for? You're you're talking about changing the offense. Okay, you're going to go and hire a defensive guy. That that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't. That's a tough – it's not really a tough spot, to be honestly. From an outsider's perspective, y'all got to get Barry Alvarez out of there, honestly. Like, respect him as a legend, whatever. Like, if we want to do something more, we got to be different. Like, we can't – we're just stuck in this pattern of being good, not great. And for it's pretty fun, honestly. Like, I don't want to get too hung up because that's pretty awesome. Like nine to ten wins, maybe a Rose Bowl every now and then. Dude, thirteen sh- wins. Like, like I don't care fun. if it happened one time. Like thirteen in the midst of seven years, you know, and the rest are nine and ten win, maybe an eleven win in there. That's pretty yeah. good. Something must have been a little deeper than just the on field stuff, in my opinion, um, to get it. But I think that probably what causing the downhill and like actual play too, right? Um, because I mean, they are looking real bad. And like really bad um so i don't know some fact a lot of factors at play but just the thing man you're never safe well and i think you're in trouble because braylon allen the star running back at wisconsin tweeted out if you wanted chris fired you're not for this team so you already have players that are not happy with this decision okay what what if braylon allen transfers you're by far your best player on the team you know, whoever comes in there next is not going to have a full cupboard to work with. You know, the cupboard's probably going to look pretty bare. You're going to have a lot of guys transferring, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just kind of the case any time, which is something yeah. to consider in football these days more so than honestly before. Like, we got to make a hire, but you can't fully consider it because it's, it's so tough. That's why athletic director, that is such a key. Like, I think that's – that is when the noticeable shift in Razorback athletics happened. When Hunter Yurt, when a strong, good athletic director came in to make those hard to make the good decisions. Um, and like you've seen it in every sport has improved. And really, the main two sports, football and basketball, he's made those hires, which directly in- impacted the trajectory of those programs. Um, and so when your AD is Barry Alvarez, who is stuck in 1992 quite like literally talk about a sweater vest that's barry alvarez right there um anyway i don't know what's going on in wisconsin like i liked paul christ honestly but i also have no like reason where he absolutely should have stayed 
Um, I know. I think. I think that even just the optics of seeing Brett Bielema beat you by like thirty is just like enough to fire any coach you had. Yeah, no, it definitely affected like it being Bielema. And we kind of talked about it before the show, but if 2010 Seth saw and Seth and Will were sitting on the couch and they saw that Brett Bielema just beat Wisconsin by 30 as Illinois head coach, you just would have thought the universe went to some warped portal um, and that you were in a crazy parallel universe, but nope, that's just college football, baby. It's a wild roller coaster and you really never know what's going to happen. You never know when you're going to get your redemption shot. Um, and you know, it's crazy how interconnected and how like many things come full circle in college football too. Um, Brett Bielema. Oh, you know how sweet that probably felt for him. I oh, bet he yeah. felt, I bet he felt vindicated because like they, he went in there. Him and Alvarez, I mean, obviously didn't speak after, after he oh, left yeah. Wisconsin and you have to assume, especially, you know, in the Gary Anderson stuff, you have to assume that Bielema and Alvarez probably did not have the best relationship anyway. And that's why he wanted to. I mean, obviously, I'm like Arkansas also could have just been a more appealing job, but I'm also saying I'm sure he was happy to get out of there as well. So the fact that he can come back as a coach at Illinois and just walk Wisconsin and know that he beat Barry Alvarez, I think he even said it after the game, like, yeah, this one, this was a big deal. Uh, Maybe more saying it more for the program, but you know, he he was saying, yeah, it's a big deal. Oh, yeah, big deal. And good for Bielma. You know, Bielema's era kind of ended pretty sour here in Arkansas, but there were a few good moments. I had some happy. I had a few happy days, a lot, a lot more pain to be quite honest. I was pretty invested in race, but this was when it was probably the most I've grown past, like truly letting football, like emotionally manipulate me. If that makes sense. Like I still get up for it and I still hurt. I still feel pain, but like I've, I've tried to grow past like football ruining my whole week. Like, I don't want it to be Wednesday afternoon, and I'm still upset that Arkansas lost on Saturday. That happens. Like, losing happens. I, I, you got to get – you got to just – I think I've swip, swapped that for just looking forward to the next one, which is a fun part about football. Is like, oh, yeah, tough loss. Well, we get to play again Saturday. You know, we get to line it up and have another shot at it Saturday. And if we lose that one, I'll be hurt again. And you know what? I'll get excited for the next one. And so – um but yeah, Bielma gave us some good moments in the Razorback era. Uh, he beat Tennessee on the road. He beat Ole Miss a bunch of times. I was at some of those games. I was at the fourth and 25, Henry Heath, yeah. one of the mm. most electric and probably the greatest college football games, like maybe of all, like seriously, just in terms of how chaotic and wild the game was. Yeah. Um, yeah, he beat Butch Jones. That's when you had to know. You lost to home at home to Brett Bielma. That's when a coach has got to go. That like literally <laughs> is the bar. It's like, all right, lost at home to Brett Bielema. You got to go. Like, you're not you're not taking our program in the right direction. But probably a better coach than, you know. I, I think know, his maybe. name's going to pop up for I a couple his, of jobs. I, probably. I, I mean, mean, they have to – Illinois has got to have, like, a solid season. But I think if he wins seven games at Illinois – I think Illinois is, like, the him. perfect place for him. Oh, no, I do, I do too. Write I'm it out. Saying. Like, be, be Bielema. Like, Bielema – just screams Illinois football to me too. Kind of at this point, not a lot of pressure. Yeah. Go seven and five, go eight and four, even maybe win a few games that you're not supposed to go four and eight one year. It's probably not that big (laughs) of a deal. Go four and eight one year. It's probably (laughs) not going to, it's not that bad. You're not going to get run out of town. 
you're not going to get run out of town for one, four and eight year. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of where the margin of error is tough at the high, high level is like you do, you have one season where you take a step back and it's not hard to do because a lot of the teams you're playing are around the same level as you. Yeah. Like you have one year where you take a step back and it's like, they want you gone. Um, but anyway, yeah. Should we go, uh, you know, talk a little first place in the AFC South Yeah, we'll, Tennessee we'll, football Titans. Yeah. Let's wrap it up with a little Titans talk. I mean, Titans came out, came out looking good and, I mean, we can break down the game more, but but basically saw what we're kind of used to seeing. I kind of thought we were stepping on their throat. That was what was crazy about it. I kind of thought we were. We, like, started a step on their throat, and then we kind of let them up. Yeah, exactly. We were like, ah, you know what? Let's let you back in the game a little bit. But, yeah, what was it, 24 to 7? Yeah, I think it was 24 to 7. I don't think it was ever 24 to nothing. I think nah, it was 17 yeah, 0, and then they so. scored, and then we scored again to make it 24 7. Yeah, and you saw, you know, King Henry got a big run, big touchdown run. So you're like, oh, okay, the Titans are playing, which I mean, and the, the Titans are beating the Colts. That's what we're used to seeing. But then you, you just let them hang around, and Disgusting. it just bothers me. It's really, it is gross, and it's a, not a good sign. Now, I am very thrilled. With two wins in our last two games. I will not take that for granted. Winning the NFL is especially really hard. Winning yes. a division game on the road is nothing, nothing, nothing to ever, ever, ever take for granted. Awesome. Beating the Colts is always hilarious. Like, no matter how we beat the Colts, it's sick. It's yes. so fun. Yeah, after all um, those so, years of honestly, them doing it to yeah. us, it's like yeah. it's flipped. And yeah. we just always beat the Colts now. Yeah, and it was almost it's almost funnier to just like hold that carrot in front of them for that long. You know what I mean? No, like, I kind of agree. Yeah. That's, it was almost even more it. depressing that they were like, Hey, we're not even really going to score. Come get it. Come get the win. And it was just like, you couldn't, you couldn't, they couldn't do it. Um, we made just enough plays. I can't, I mean, I can believe, but I can't believe they, they got hyped about another bomb quarterback that came in there to play for them. Like Matt Ryan is busted, dude. Dude, yeah, you talk about the twilight. He made a few of good careers, plays. Like he made a few good plays, but like, and I mean, yeah, but talk, yeah, talk about the twilight of his career. I mean, he is brittle out there. He made one play that looked like halfway decent, and it surprised me. Running like getting out of the pocket, but then overall, just still the Tin Man. He looks like the Tin Man out there running around, clanking around with his. Dude, he broken does. bones and everything. He's lean, man. Bones. Yeah, he. I cannot believe. Like Colts fans, legitimately sat there all summer and got excited about Matt Ryan. Legitimately, <laughs> not just like, not just like, you know what, Matt Ryan, uh, not going to be the greatest, but maybe he can be a game manager. No, they got excited about Matt Ryan. They watched prime Matt Ryan highlights from like 2011 and said, "Oh yeah." let's go and, and they did, honest, well they did the same thing with carson wentz you're like yeah oh, that's what i'm saying they've done, this, they've done the same thing three years in a row with absolute like quarterbacks that aren't going to help you win at the, like philip rivers at 56 years old was not good and you're, yeah. you're doing the same thing with matt ryan and matt ryan probably wasn't even quite as good at the height of his career than philip rivers matt probably ryan is like equal. a combination of the two I- ideas that colts fans had about the last two quarterbacks like you take you he's he's philip rivers in the fact that he was once great and is old now 
And then he's also Carson Wentz in the fact that, yeah, he was an MVP. Or did Carson did Carson, Carson Wentz win? No, he did not. No, he, he had one year a... where he was like in the running for MVP. So you're looking at those highlights and thinking, oh, yeah, same thing. Like they they did it twice. They did it. Tw- they did two of the things they did with the last two quarterbacks with Matt Ryan and said, hey, here's a guy who was once good. He was once an MVP. But he's old now. But oh, that doesn't matter. Like, look at these. Yeah, like you said, look at these highlights from 2011. He's going to do that when yeah. he obviously isn't. Didn't prove that the last year or whatever. You know, no. They, it's like you're broken by Tom Brady disease, where it's like, oh yeah, quarterback is still just as good at 45. Yep, that's how it works. When that's not how it works at all. Tom Brady's the only one to do that ever. He's the oldest quarterback ever. And you're you're like trying to compare him, like. My Ryan just body doesn't work the same as it once did. It's just brittle. He's just, yeah. it looks like he isn't obviously he's still really healthy and athletic and in good shape to the average person. But like in football standards, he's like a grandpa. Like he literally is moving around out there, like with a cane and a walker. Well, he's like, he's serviceable, but yeah. it's like, like you said, Colts fans sat around all off season thinking, man, we really got a shot this year. No. Yeah, we got yeah. Matt Ryan. He, ele- like we said at the top of the show, is Matt Ryan elevating your team at this point? No. 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 He's a serviceable NFL quarterback. Yes, I'll give you that. But your team obviously has a lot of other flaws that like aren't good enough to just get by with a serviceable quarterback. So, yeah, just go and go take your take your turf and go go lose it. Go go burn it. Dude, that's a serious your, issue. Your bomb turf that is injuring players game after game after game in, in injury after injury. The, the last two years that the Titans have played there, there's been a series at least at least one serious in foot, foot or ankle or knee injury to our best, like to our two to our skilled offensive players. Jonathan Taylor just got hurt. If if you're not going to do it for us, do it for your own players. Like you are, you are putting NFL players at harm and at risk by playing on that turf. I wonder it's, what the statistics are or what the, cause what they had. Hey, I saw all the, yeah. Yeah. Go I, you want, I got a statistic for you. <laughs> now this is just about turf in general. So this is not specific. Cause Oh my, and I should probably shouldn't admit this, but I don't. My first search at work today was Indianapolis Colts turf injuries. But hold up. So this is just a quote about turf. This is from the NFL Players Association leader. And I don't have his name on here, um, but just I shout out you. to him. Yeah, credit yeah. credit the <laughs> NFLPA. Based on NFL injury data collected from 2012 to 2018, not only was the contact injury rate for lower extremities higher during practices and games held on artificial turf, NFL players consistently experienced a much higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries on turf compared to natural surfaces. Specifically, players have a 28% higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries when playing on artificial turf. Of these non-contact injuries, players have a 62% or a 32% higher rate of non-contact knee injuries on turf and a staggering 69% higher rate of non-contact foot and ankle injuries on turf compared to grass. 
Are you kidding me? How are I we letting this like, happen? I, I think, too, this may be a hot take or it may just not be true at all. I feel like turf on indoor stadiums is also worse because I feel like turf, if it's outside, the sun gets to it, the rain hits it every now and then, maybe it softens it up a little bit. That's just me thinking out loud. Yeah, but maybe. It's, yeah, I mean, it. It, it is straight. I mean, it's not AstroTurf like back in the day, but for some reason to me, like the Colt Stadium does kind of look like that. Like it looks like straight carpet out there. The Colt Stadium has got to be the worst, but they, I mean, they've had terrible problems at MetLife, the Jets and Giants place. They've had bad issues with injuries and it's, it's all knee, ankle and t- like Jonathan Taylor left with an ankle injury. Traylon Burks, literally they've diagnosed it as turf toe quite literally it happened in the turf. Like, what, <laughs> what, why are we even letting – we're putting players at risk by putting them out there on this turf. We need to play our games on real grass as God intended. No, Football, I agree with that. And grass. I just like how – I like how grass looks better. But also – I yeah, want it to I be get, dead I, in the winter. I want yeah. to play I, – I like when Lambo is brown. Yeah. Like, I love that. Well, and you talk about, you know, people talk about indoor stadiums and stuff. You can grow grass in those indoor stadiums. Yeah. And you can keep it. You have people that are working on it. Like you have people that their job, their career is taking care of a football field. You you can grow some grass and water it every now and then. Give it a little sunlight. Like I tell you what, Indianapolis, I'll make an offer. I will pledge my services to to craft your lawn. I will take care of your grass. I, we're going to put real grass in, whatever kind you want. I don't really know what kind they typically use uh, for football fields, but we'll figure it out, and I'll maintain it. All I ask is uh, – I actually don't know my demands yet. I won't really have demands. I'll almost do it for free just so I can lessen the injury of my players on your field. It's an, It's embarrassing what you're doing to these players. You're putting them out there on less than equal services. I thought we cared about player safety in this league. I thought we cared about player safety, but I guess not. We let the Colts exist. Dude, grass is just so beautiful too. Grass is so grass pretty. Football field. It's how it, it's how it's supposed to be. It's not like turf is artificial. It's cheap. You know what I, That's why you do it. You do it. You know so what you don't I have hate? to take as much care of it. And over time it's cheaper. Yeah. Not yeah, as much labor. That's true, but it's just not the same. There are some things we should care about a little bit. Yeah. No, Razorback Stadium has gone back and forth several times. And when we went back to real grass, it's made a world of difference. Because it's like I literally see it in the same stadium. So I can tell side by side what looks what what is better. And it is grass. <laughs> no, and that's what I mean, going to Nebraska all these years and going to Tennessee all these years. I love Tennessee having the grass field. It's just better. It's more, it's more, it's football, man. Like you said, it's the way it was intended. Seeing a crisply, crisply painted grass, grass field is just second to none, just an experience. Uh, You don't, it's not the same with turf. It's like, oh, just roll out there on the same turf we played in. No, you got to freshly paint those lines, get it ready to go, get it game day ready. Like the, the field gets painted up, you know, it's like, no, this is an, this is a, this is an event. We're painting, painting the field. Um, yeah. It's just, 
it's sad that it has to happen. I mean, I got bummed when Traylon went out, man. I feel like he's just getting, you know, you know that meme, and someone puts this out there. I'm not, you know, that meme of like the little shack kind of house with the Lamborghini or whatever. The yeah, mon- like that's how I I kind of do feel like it's like, dude, unleash him a little bit, like let him actually make some plays. Like you got to have trust. That's what I was seeing the other day. Is like Tannehill does not have trust in like Traylon's best skill is catching hard contested balls. Like yeah. making plays on the ball, and he will he will go catch it. Like I've I've watched it time well, and time again. You, you do have to point it. out they didn't they didn't have a lot of time to get some chemistry together in training camp. Yeah, well he was to get he was there all training camp, plenty of time. That's what I'm saying. You just gotta trust him. Yeah, yeah. Like he's that coaches are trusting him. They're putting him out there on the field, and maybe that's kind of coming along. But then this kind of hurts the process of just him getting hurt but no, it I is agree. what it is i mean injuries happen as part of sports so hopefully the titans i mean titans will be okay in his absence he definitely he helps them like he does present yeah. some kind of playmaking ability so um robert woods is looking pretty good the offense just looks so like good at times and then so bad at others there's like no in between it's either we're like we have like, several drives a game where we look great and then several drives a game where we can't even get a first first down so I'm going to beat a dead horse and go with the narrative of uh, our offensive coordinator, old Todd Downing. Oh, Todd. I think you're right there because he's gotten a little break, but I, I kind of made a little remark out there on the, on Twitter today. Yep. So just that. like, Hey, 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 like I'm happy too, that we got some wins, but let's not really forget where our areas are lacking. Like I'm, I'm not blind. I'm not blind to the fact that we have we've scored like seven second half points like this season. I think that's right. Is that is that true? Yeah, I think you're right. We have scored seven points in the second half. That's eight quarters now. That's eight quarters where we've Which only scored. To seven me, points. is like okay, uh, defense is adjusting, and then you're not doing anything to combat that. No, I think it's a sign of like, and that's and that's maybe where kind of his just disconnect is like it looks like he does have a pretty good scheme like it obviously does work but he just cannot make adjustments yeah he can't adjust no and so like and other people are that's like the whole nfl is just adjusting to your opponent in game like you have to adjust in and yeah we held on to win these last two games but it will not happen like it will not keep happening where we can just hold we cannot score in the second half and win like, no. thankfully, we've gotten fortunate, and maybe it could even happen next week because Washington's bad. And maybe you could, you know, get up three touchdowns versus them and just hold on, hold on for your horses. But, uh, but yeah, we need to, I mean, don't let up the pressure on Todd Downing. Just because we've won, we can be so much better. Um, so I'm not even letting, I mean, I'm ready to let him go. I'd let him go right now just as easily as I would have two weeks ago. Yeah, because I no, think I agree. we can do better. Like, I think our offense can be better. Um, and it's it's honestly atrocious. Like our offense is atrocious in the second half, which is when we used to be good. You used to wear down teams with Derrick Henry. That's theoretically when you're supposed to be better if you're this ground and pound Derrick Henry led offense. And he had a good game set. Like he had a good game Sunday. Um, but in the second half, I mean, effectively shut out. Like I mean, he just like that's when you're supposed to have the advantages. And it's man. 
like I'm really pumped that we're two and two. I mean, we're literally done exactly what we needed to do to get back in position. And there is now 13 more weeks to decide kind of how the season's going to go. I, um, yeah, I actually feel I'm feeling pretty good about a South division title. I don't know if I said that last week. I knew I said that I was, I was like, I don't think we're going to be that good, but I seriously think eight and nine might win this division. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've put ourselves exactly where we need to be to win this division. We're one and on the road in the division and we're 500 and division record and stay at 500 or above. We're most likely going to win the division. I mean, it'd be hard to think we don't win the division at 500 or above 500. If yeah, we cause... go, cause we got to play 17, right? Yeah. So we can't quite, if we go nine and eight, Nine and eight wins the division. I I gotta think so. I mean, yeah, because we'll even at, even like watching the Jags this week, they they lost right. Um, they lost I to the Eagles them. at at Philadelphia. So yeah, I mean, so like solid team. And I saw some good things out of them, but then I also saw Trevor Lawrence is still making like he looks good. Trevor Lawrence is looking good, and I think he'll be really good for years to come. But there's still a lot of young mistakes he's making. I feel. I'm I'm not as worried about them as I was a week ago. And I'm definitely yeah. not that worried about the Colts and the Texans. Like it's gonna be just neither none of those three teams that I just mentioned are gonna be winning, go on like a stretch a stretch of wins or a streak of wins. Like it's just not gonna happen, in my opinion. So I'm feeling good about that. But again, I'm still on the same train of I don't think we're gonna do much after that. But another AFC South division title if it happens. But you never know when the playoffs happen, too. You know, you do never know. Yeah. If the defense plays rounds into form and we can get back to that where it's like our defense is really good and, you know, we're going to score enough on offense if we're healthy. You know, you never know. That's why you got to put yourself in position. But I think we definitely – AFC South looks way more in play than it did two weeks ago, certainly. Um, and, I mean, we all knew that that was still certainly on the table. Uh, yeah. But it didn't. It just didn't look very pretty. It just looked. It was just ugly. Uh, those first, and it hasn't really been pretty either. But sometimes winning doesn't have to be pretty. Um, and so you got two more opportunities before the bye to really put yourself in a good position. Like in re- all reality, to be in a good position, you got it. You need to beat the Commanders at home, and you need to beat the Colts at home. Like those are two games you need to win if you really want to, because. We got some. Like, we have a pretty tough schedule, honestly. Um, I, you know, at least I was thinking so before the season. So I need to kind of reevaluate probably how we're looking. But if you can go four two into the bye, especially after that start, you're feeling really good about where you're at in the division because we haven't. We wouldn't have. I think because the buys. That's right. We got two more games than a bye, and we still wouldn't have not played Houston at all or the Jacksonville. So that's still four games on the table that, like, I think we're better than those teams. Um, and those are the big ones that matter. If we can go at least – so how many – it? you play six division games? Yeah. I mean, we need to win five of them. If we win five of them, it's almost a lock that we're going to win the division. Yeah. Um, so – and I don't see any reason why we can't. That's really the other thing, too, is we should beat – we should beat the Texans twice. And we've already beat the Colts on the road, so we should beat them at home. Um, now that that's never easy. It's never easy to win division games. Um, but you gotta think, and then you know, even if we just split with Jacksonville, or yeah, drop and you're one gonna those, they're gonna drop one. They're gonna yeah, drop they're one to the yeah, 
They are just because it is what, you know, it's division football. You play those teams so often. Yeah. And you could lose. I could see you losing two. Um, but like one would, one would be great. I could see you losing two. If you lose more than two, I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah. You got to win four. I think that's a good, you got to win four. If you win five, you're really good. And then, you know, Hey, four, you're probably you're probably pretty good still if you win four. Yeah, like, four, you're just probably. I don't have a lot of faith in those other teams to win other games. You know, outside yeah. of if we split with them or something. You know. Yeah, the, our division is pretty bad, but not a. I don't know. It might be a little better than we think, but I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it for us. Um, guys, thanks again for listening. This was Paydirt Sports brought to you by Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out at sixpackcoverage.com, at sixpackcoverage on all the socials. Check us out. Paydirtsports.blog is the website, at paydirt underscore sports on Twitter, at paydirt sports on Instagram. Guys, thanks again for listening. It was fun, and we will see you all next week. Peace.